There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. Several weeks now, and since basically the summer, we started into this Old Testament study of the tabernacle. And in that... Wrapped along in that is not only the, the hardware and the fixturing of the tabernacle, but what actually took place there. We've been looking and spending several weeks looking at the offerings, the different offerings that were taken. The, we, we saw the, the meat offering, the burnt offering, the peace offering, the sin offering. And now we come to that final offering of the trespass offering. And uh, it's very similar to the sin offering, but there are uh, some glaring differences that we'll bring to light this evening. But if you will, Leviticus chapter number 5, and I want you to stand for verse number 14. We'll read down through chapter 6 and verse 7. And so, if you would please stand, uh, Leviticus chapter number 5. And look at verse number 14. Now let me tell you this. We've been going through these and chapter by chapter has been uh, a, a, a different offering is a different chapter up until now. In chapter number 5, we didn't read it last week, but the first, uh, I guess, 13 verses of chapter number 5 are, are very much having to do with the examples of the sin offering. That's from what I can take from it. And so there are examples and different uh, elements of the sin offering, and we will not cover that, but want to get into the trespass offering. And that is clearly stated in verse uh, in these verses that we'll read tonight. So Leviticus chapter 5, in verse number 14. And the Lord spake unto Moses, If a soul commit a trespass and sin through ignorance in the holy things of God, Then he shall bring for his trespass unto the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flocks with the, with the estimation by shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary for a trespass offering. And he shall make amends for the harm that he hath done in the holy thing and shall add a fifth part thereunto to give it unto the priest and the priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering and it shall be forgiven him. And if a soul sin and commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord through though he wist it not yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity. And he shall bring a ram without blemish out of the flock with thy estimation for the trespass offering unto the priest. And the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his ignorance therein wherein he erred and wist it not. And it shall be forgiven him. This is a trespass offering. He hath certainly trespassed against the Lord. Look at chapter 6 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, If a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord, and lie unto his neighbor in that which was delivered him to keep, or in fellowship, or in a thing that taketh away by violence, or hath 
deceived his neighbor, or have found that which was lost, and lieth concerning it, and sweareth falsely. In any of these that a man doeth, sinneth therein. Then it shall be, because he hath sinned and is guilty, he shall restore that which he took uh, which he took violently away, or the thing which he hath deceitfully gotten, or the, or that which he was delivered him to keep, or the lost thing which he found, or that about which he hath sworn falsely, he shall even restore it in the principle, and shall add the fifth part more thereto, and give it unto him to whom he appertaineth it in the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord, a ram without blemish out of the flock, with thy estimation uh, for a trespass offering unto the priest. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and it shall be given, it shall be forgiven him for anything of all that he hath done in trespassing therein. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll simply center our thoughts around the trespass offering. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we do thank You that when You were on the cross, God, we were on Your mind. You died in our place. You were the ram, the spotless ram substitute for me and for those present that have received Christ and, and for all this world. You are that available sacrifice. And we, we thank You for that. And we praise You for that. But God, with that comes responsibility. God, I pray that You would show us in Your Word the responsibility that we have, not only to God in our trespassing and in our sin, but also to man. Father, I pray that we would live out a true Christianity that that also makes amends with our fellow men, sets things right with those on a horizontal level as well as a vertical level. God, speak to our hearts this evening. God, convict the heart and save souls. There may be one without the Lord Jesus today. We pray that they would come and receive this ram, this available sacrifice for their sin and be forgiven their sin. Father, just deal with hearts tonight. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And amen. When I came through that door and saw my mom and dad here, I did not realize what my first illustration was going, the impact that it was going to have. So I'll have to deal with that after church. But when I was a kid, just about every Thanksgiving, dad would take me on a hike. We'd go over to grandma's house a little early and we would go on a hike in the property uh, in and around. It wasn't my grandfather, my grandmother's property. Um, It was somebody else's property. Now let's say, not that this ever really happened, let's say that 200 yards from where we were going to cross the fence into someone else's property. I'm not saying this happened, but I... But there was a sign there that said no trespassing. But we didn't see that sign and we stepped over the bobbed wire fence and went on our journey. We would go over the creek and up, I mean, say someone were to go over the creek and, and over the, over the field and over the hill and across the creek and come down to another sign and another bobbed wire fence. This time the sign was unavoidable and it said no trespassing. And so, 
perchance, not that anyone would do this, but say, we're not hunting, we're not going to bother anything, so let's just keep going. And we step over that fence knowing the sign is there. That would be very much like our, our, tra- our, our offering for tonight and what this offering is for. It is about a trespass offering. In each case, we were trespassing one, ignorantly, and two, willfully. That's all hypothetical. Amen. I just, hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically there, it was all, uh, trespass. We were trespassing both ignorantly and willfully. You know, this is a pretty decent example of the sin that is the focal point of the trespass offering. Although we see similarities between the sin offering and the trespass offering, there are some glaring differences that we'll bring to light tonight. But just a few on the surface. A sin offering deals with sin against God. A trespass offering emphasizes injury against both God and man. The sin offering dealt with the nature of sin. The trespass offering emphasizes the acts of sin. The sin offering dealt with atonement or the expiation or the expunging of sin. The trespass offering emphasizes the satisfaction or and the reparation for the wrong committed. Sin, as you know, is the coming short of God's uh, uh, standards. Trespass, is, uh, as in our illustration, is the overstepping of God's boundaries. So with that in mind, I want us to look at this offering from three different angles and come to some conclusions concerning our responsibilities toward the trespass offering in light of New Testament Christianity. You say, Brother Ronnie, this trespass offering doesn't have anything to do with me. I beg to differ. It has a lot to do with genuine Christianity. And I'll make bring that to light. First of all, I want you to see this. I want you to see the cases of the trespass offering. Some of the verses in the early, in the latter part of verse 15 and in chapter number 5 and chapter number 6 seem to be like case files, case studies. One of my favorite television shows is about an FBI agent that deals with, shall we say, difficult cases, cases that are hard to look into. Well, these are some difficult cases, cases that we're going to inspect. And so I want you to more or less open up the files here and look at these cases. The first case is the case of the consecrated. The case of the consecrated. Look in verse number 15. It says, if a soul commit a trespass and sin through ignorance, notice this, in the holy things of the Lord. A, the, the crime here is an, an inadvertent misuse of what is called the holy things of God. Now you might be saying, what is the holy things of God? These are things that are dedicated or consecrated to God. They belong to Him. 
Take for example Leviticus 27.30. In that statement God says the tithe is the Lord's. That meant one tenth of the income does not belong to us. It is an holy thing. It belongs to the Lord. Now let's say that you're a uh, you're a large field owner in, uh, uh, in the Jewish religion in that in that time period, and you own a lot of fields like Boaz, and you had a foreman that at the harvest he brought in all the all the bushels, and he told you as his foreman he told you that he took in ten thousand bushels. Well, the the landowner, you would quickly go through your mind and say, well, a hundred bushels or measures is my tithe unto the Lord. But what you didn't know is that your foreman miscounted. He miscalculated. He didn't add it up right. And instead of 10,000, we only, there is only 11,000, uh, 11,000 measures. Hope my math is right. Amen. I kind of got a feel. Is it a thousand? It would be a thousand would be the type. Well, here, here we find that if in reality it was 11,000, therefore the man robbed God. I know it inadvertently and unknowingly, but he robbed God a thousand, a thousand measures. You see what I'm saying? And so there would be something that in the case of the consecrated, he would have trespassed unknowingly. You understand what I'm saying? You say, man, that's pretty stringent. Let's look at another example. We'll find out what about the firstborn. God says that the firstborn of every animal belongs to Him. Let's say you're a landowner and you have company come in unexpectedly and you quickly go out to the flock and you pick up a, you pick up a lamb and you have it dressed and have it prepared and cooked. You eat it and when you come back, your boy says, Daddy, did you know that's, uh, uh, little Bambi's, uh, little, uh, little Bobo or whoever, little Bobo's first offspring. Daddy, we shouldn't have done that. You go, Oh my goodness, I have unknowingly trespassed in the things of God. You see, that would be a case of the consecrated being taken. You see, either way, whether you did it inadvertently or not, you are guilty. You are guilty. Oh, how haphazardly we treat the things of God. Whether it be the property for which God has blessed us with, or the destruction of books, writing your names and tearing up books, whatever that may be, or it may be our time, and we slip short, we say, oh, it's a no, never mind. Don't worry about it. We'll catch up. We'll make it right. Listen, God says that they were guilty, and it was a sin. Notice also, not only the case of the consecrated, but the case of conscience. Verse 18 is a little different. It says in verse, excuse me, verse 17, if a soul sin and commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done by commandments of the Lord, though he wist it not, yet he is guilty. This is the case, not of consecration, but of conscience. This is a matter of the accusing conscience. This would be the example of having a nagging suspicion that you have taken something that belongs to the Lord or another man, but you do not know how much 
that you'd taken. Let me give you an example of that. We've learned in other sacrifices that the fat of an animal, you remember the call and the fat above the liver and the fat here and the fat there, the fat around of the heart, that is God's alone. It's considered to be the best part and it is to be God's alone. But let's say you're sitting at a, as a guest at a, at a table and you are eating your dinner and you put into your mouth a delicious morsel. It is so exquisite as you chew it. But then you realize, boy, I wonder, was that some of the fat? Somehow maybe the fat had gotten mixed in during the dressing or during the the tending to the animal and the fat was mixed in. You don't know how much you've eaten of it. You don't know. And all of a sudden after the meal you stand up, you go home and all of a sudden your conscience begins to accuse you. It begins to point a finger of guilt. You don't know how much you took. You don't know how much was taken. But... It is, it is an accusing conscience. And what's under, what is the uh, amazing about this in verse 17? Yet he is guilty. Just from an accusing conscience. Just from the, from the, from the slight indication that you may have transgressed against God. Boy, don't you think they took holiness to a lot higher value than we do? They may have, this, this could be an easily example in our, in our church. You may have said something in a passing conversation and you get away from that conversation and all of a sudden your conscience begins to accuse you of something that you said. That you was maybe a gossip, maybe something you mentioned in passing that was gossip. Maybe it would have been offensive. Maybe it would have been hurtful. You see what I'm saying? God is saying in the case of the conscience, it was a sin and it needs to be dealt with. Not only the case of conscience, the case of consecrated, which in both of them were what? Unbeknownst, they wish not out of ignorance. It was a, we would say an accidental. We would call it a no, never mind. Don't worry about it. But God says it's sin needs to be dealt with. But look at the next one as well in chapter number six. Here we see several examples of out and outright deception. And if thou sin, verse two in chapter six, if a, if a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord, and lie unto his neighbor in that which he delivered him to keep or in fellowship or in that thing taken by violence, he hath deceived his neighbor or have found that which was lost and life concerning it. Notice the, no, look at this. And sweareth falsely in any of these that man doeth sinneth sinning therein. So what he said, let's say, a neighbor comes to another neighbor and he said, I've got this prize uh, bull that I want to keep tabs on. Me and my wife are taking a vacation to Horeb. We're going up there to spend the weekend and I want you to watch watch my animal for me and make sure that it's going to be okay. While that man's gone for a week or so, the, the, the neighbor that was entrusted with the animal starts looking at, man, that's a good looking animal. Boy, I bet I could bring in a ton of money for that. He goes and, and, and goes and sells it and puts the money in his pocket. And when his neighbor comes back, he says, I don't know where that thing went. It must have run off during night. Somebody must have stole it. I don't know what happened to that thing. That man would be blatantly guilty of deception. 
Uh, you see, the neighbor entrusted him. And also it talks about he sweared falsely. That means the neighbor comes to him and say, Hey, did you find my animal? I've been looking for it everywhere. Have you seen it? When all along he took it and put it in his own flock. And he said, Oh, I don't know where it is. I swear unto God that I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's high talk right there. That is, that is wicked, sinful talk. I swear I don't know where that animal is. And he's lying through his teeth. That's the sin of the con artist, I call it. The sin, the case of the con artist is what we're looking at there. Clearly, it is unmistakably stepping over the line and has deceived and has, has, in his deception become a way, I wonder, has deception become a way of life for you and I? Do we think nothing of deceiving others around us and transgressing the ninth commandment? Thou shalt not bear false witness. See, I fear oftentimes we do what Peter says that we in 1 Peter 2.16, we use the grace of God or our liberty as a cloak of maliciousness. We can lie to the people around us. We can bear false witness and we say, well, Jesus died for my sin. It was all on the cross anyway and that ought to deal with it. We use the grace of God or the liberty that we have in Christ as a cloak of maliciousness. Paul said in Galatians 5.13, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh. That's why Leviticus matters in your life. That's why it matters in our life. We need to know when we have sinned against God and to stay where the line of sin is, where the demarcation is, and stay as far away from it as possible. Are you listening to me? Can I get your attention in the back? Thank you very much. Listen, there is the case of the con artist and we do not want to be that con artist. You see, these are the cases of the trespass. Notice second of all, not only the case of the trespass offering, but the the compensation of the trespass offering. So we saw the sin, we saw the stepping over, now I want you to see the price that was paid. With each of these cases, there is a designated compensation. A way of making the matter right, not only in the eyes of God, but in the eyes of fellow man. Notice first of all, the amount of compensation. Here we found in these verses, these series of verses. Matter of fact, look at verse 16. He shall make amends for his harm that ye have done in the holy thing. He shall add the fifth part thereunto and give it unto the priest. And the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering. It shall be forgiven him. Notice in the past we have seen socially degraded offerings. You remember how, remember how we looked at it socially? And how that if a rich man or an upper echelon, he sinned, if he could afford a bull, he needs to bring a bull. If you could only afford a goat, you need to bring a goat. If you could only afford a, a, a pigeon or turtle dust, you should bring a pigeon or turtle. If you could only afford, afford a tenth of an ephah of wheat, that's what you ought to bring. Not so with the trespass offering. Not so. You just couldn't decide what you was going to give in uh, to make amends or to get right with God. No. Matter of fact, verse 16, it says you should bring a ram without, without blemish uh, out of the flocks. With thy estimation by the shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary. 
That means you couldn't estimate it yourself. You had to take your ram to the priest and he had to weigh it on his measures. It's on God's terms and not ours to make up. He's the one that sets the bar. He's the one that tells us the price to pay for our, for, to make reparation. You see, uh, that's, that is the, uh, that's not the case here. We don't choose ourselves. Notice also in every case, in verse, in the case of the consecrated, the case of the conscience, and the case of the con artist, every one of them had to have a ram without spot and without blemish. So that ought to put us into mind of the substitute of Isaac on Mount Moriah. You remember when Abraham was going to sacrifice his son? God stayed his hand. And in that moment, the ram was caught in the thicket. And that very moment, Isaac was replaced with that ram. That's what it's, that's what it brings to mind. How that this ram took the place we should have bared the brunt of sin. Yet the substitute was made available in the ram. Also, the restitution uh, is also uh, is also man to manward is seen. Notice in verse number sixteen, it said to add a fifth. That would basically be a twenty percent to be paid back. Look in chapter six and verse five. We see the same thing. Chapter six and verse five. He shall add the fifth part thereunto and give it unto him who appertaineth. So the person guilty, if they were to come and say, I have trespassed, they bring not only the thing that they sold or comparable amount, but add 20% on top of that to give even more back as the penalty. If you'll, if you'll notice that 20% is double of a 10%. It's double tithe is what has been, uh, being talked about here. Double tithe is used to pay back, uh, for, uh, for the reparation. One preacher was telling another preacher that he had, he had to go and make a hospital visit to one of his members in the church. And the other pastor asked, well, what's wrong with the man? The pastor said he's having his tithe removed. You see, in reality, God knows how to get it back. And more times than not, he can double what we should have done in the first place. It'll be a harder payment to pay if we find, uh, if we take the wrong route. You see, God's gonna get His one way or another. Also, He's ensuring that no one in sin is able to come out ahead. It, uh, it will always cost you more to go back and correct some wrong after the fact than doing it right the first time. Did you hear me? Children, listen to me. It is always, you're going to pay a higher price if you do the wrong and you have to come back and make amends and try to, and try to make it right. Do it right the first time. Don't follow the path of sin. Don't lie to your neighbor. You see, there we find the amount of compensation is at notice. Notice not only the amount of compensation, but the application of compensation. In each case, we find the words, and it shall be forgiven. Boy, I tell you what, you ought to underline those words. Those words ought to just make your heart swell. It may be costly, it may be difficult, but God didn't damn us to hell over one sin. God didn't place us obscure, uh, place us exiled and away from God forever. No, He said, there is a way of forgiveness. 
There is the possibility of forgiveness. The application of compensation is expiation. Amen. I made that up. Don't ask me to say it again. I probably could. Forgiveness can be had under the Old Testament economy. In the New Testament, in the New Testament, the, the ram for our compensation is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our lamb. He is our spotless lamb. But there is also responsibility toward our fellow man. And if, and we, and, and, and we, we will cover that, and we'll cover that here in a, in a, in a point coming up. And so I'll get to that in a minute. But we do have responsibilities to our fellow man, but we can rejoice in the fact that the ram has been taken care of. That if we have trespassed, if we have sworn deceitfully, Thank God we can be forgiven. There is a ram. There is the possibility of forgiveness in God. We can rejoice in the fact that sin can be forgiven. Notice third of all, not only the amount of compensation, the application of compensation, which is the forgiveness of sin, but I want you to see the aim of compensation. What is God's aim in the trespass offering? God's intent is to cause His people to have a tender conscience toward the potential offenses against both God and man. God wanted His people to be a people of a tender conscience. The trespass offering was a way that the sinner... by the sin, But was a way for the sinner to by the way of... of by the way of conscience to make things right. Now you say, Brother Ronnie, 20% above what was stolen is pretty steep. Well, if you'll search out God's law, you'll find that if someone is convicted of a crime, they didn't confess, they didn't own up to it and try to make reparation. They held out. They hid it. If one were to be convicted of a crime, his responsibility is 200, double what he took or... As much as 400%, four times what he has stolen would be required if he were condemned by judicial assembly. Listen, children and adults, it is always best to repent and admit and make restoration than to hide, lie, and cover it up Cover it up like a ticking time bomb of sin that can have that can have explosive effects. You children, listen to me. If you've lied, if you've disobeyed, the best thing you can do is come clean. The best thing you can do is repent of it and make it right. Because if you hide it, you'll pay a higher price. It'll always be a higher price. Believe you me, a higher price for sin. There will still be a price. But nowhere, but nowhere near as high as covering it up. Come clean before God. Workers, come clean before your employers. You see, it is the aim of the compensation to have a, a good conscience, to have a sensitive conscience toward dealings with God and with man. Notice third and finally. I want you to see not only the aspect of the cases of the trespass offering, the compensation of the trespass offering, 
But I want to draw out some considerations of the, con- of the, of the trespass offering. Now, although I made various applications throughout the message, in this point, I really want to, to bring home the New Testament truth that we can apply to our life. I mean, we are talking about an Old Testament book, Old Covenant. We live in a New Covenant. And there are vast differences between the two. But what can we find the similarities between the two? I want you to see, first of all, the forgiveness of our crime. Now, I kind of touched on this a second, but I want to reemphasize it. Many believe and preach that there are only two kinds of sins in the Old Testament. There are one sins of ignorance. We've seen that as we've studied these offerings. We've seen those sins of ignorance. The other is what is called high-handed sins. Sins that are done with a high hand. Out and outright rebellion against God. And these are designated, number one, forgivable. The sins of ignorance can be forgiven. We've seen that. But also, in the second case, the high-handed sins are unforgivable. Numbers 15 and verse 29 and 30. Listen to what it says. Ye shall have one law for him that sinned through ignorance both for him that is born among the children of Israel and for the stranger that sojourneth among them. But the soul that doeth up presumptuously, that word presumptuously indicates the high hand, high-handed sin, blatant, uh, uh, knowing, willful rebellion against God, whether he be born in the land or of a stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. From there they can easily determine now from that from saying there's only sins of ignorance and sins that cannot be forgiven they can easily determine that the old testament just throw it out it's of no use to us it's of no of no good it reminds me of a time i was i was in college at brevard college and i was taking a religion class and I was listening to that high-browed professor in that religion class. And buddy, I love that class. I was eating it up because he was giving me all kinds of false doctrine different from what my parents believed. I come home one summer. I said, I said, Dad, the Old Testament is Old Testament. We're in the New Testament now. And Jesus is the, the new covenant. He, he smartfully handed me that Bible and said, you rip out the Old Testament then. You go ahead and rip it out. You see, in fact, there are some people that want to, that would like to rip out the Old Testament scriptures and the Old Testament uh, economy. But the truth is, is that there is application for our lives today. You see, in Leviticus 6, is a, it shows us a blatant public oath that was a lie, uh, that was a lie that can be forgiven. You see, in chapter number 6, that wasn't a sin of ignorance. He can't claim ignorance. It was a blatant sin, and yet God says it can be forgiven. Total and complete forgiveness between ourselves and God and ourselves and fellow man can be ours to possess. There is no sin that is unforgivable. Many of those people that believe that that we can take out the Old Testament, they look to that unpardonable sin. And they say, oh, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is that 
high-handed sin of the Old Testament and cannot be forgiven. Listen, any sin can be forgiven except for the sin of that conscience being seared, being saying no to the Holy Spirit of God time and time and time again and refusing Jesus Christ. That is the only unpardonable sin. Over time, when someone rejects Christ, rejects His work, rejects the the Scriptures, they build callous on themselves until one day the knockings of the Holy Spirit is is unheeded and they're unfelt, they're unknown, they're unheeded and it becomes the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and they will go to hell. I just want to point out that sin can be forgiven. Whatever sin you have committed, whatever black and dark sin and rebellion that you've done from God, uh, uh, to God, you can come and make it right. The hardened heart whose conscience is hardened such that they refuse to repent and believe the gospel. They will experience the unpardonable sin and eternal damnation. But forgiveness available to all who will t- turn and come to Jesus. I want to point out forgiveness of sin is available. Second of all, not only forgiveness of our crime, but the feeling of our conscience. What is this saying to us? What is God doing in His people? He is cultivating a tender conscience. Many people suggest that the Old Testament economy was merely an outward religion. Uh, and therefore, was we, we see examples like that in the Pharisees, just a mere outward religion. But that's not what we see in Leviticus 5 and 6. This is God dealing with the conscience. This is someone who says to themselves, that was wrong and I need to make it right. This was a heart religion. You see, many of them say that Old Testament way of life was unlivable. But it wasn't. God was dealing with the conscience. You see, that was not the intent, just an outward showing. One commentator said this, These provisions all design, are all designed to impress the conscience with a sense of responsibility to God and keep alive in the hearts of His people a wholesome fear of doing any secret wrong. I can't help but think when I read that about the Puritans. Have you ever read after any of the Puritans like, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, oh, what's that uh, theologian? I can't remember. Many of the Puritans, if you'll read their writing, They were so particular about their sin. Why? They had a grasp of Leviticus 5 and 6 and the trespass offering. We ought to be conscious of our sin to God. We ought to have a a raw conscience when it comes to sinning against Him. We we Christians run so slipshod over that in our day and time. And, And do not face the reality that our sin is more than we comprehend that it is, and that we ought to have a, a, a conscience that is easily pricked, that is easily senses the sin of our lives. 
Don't be so quick to run slipshod over our guilt by quickly claiming the grace of God and not even think about the consequences of our sin toward God and toward our fellow man. I very seldom seldom say anything profound, but that struck me there. We should not run so slipshod over our sin. Well, the Lord will forgive me. You know, that's kind of a running joke among Christians. Well, we'll do it and ask forgiveness. But the sad truth is, is it's not funny. Sad truth is, is that's the way many of us live. We transgress the law of God. We blatantly sin and then use the grace of God as a cloak of maliciousness. As a cover for our sin. God help us to have feeling in our conscience once again for our sin. May God pull back the calluses on our conscience about our little white lies. About our petty thievery. About our whispering gossip. About our mumbled murmuring. Paul was so conscious of this in Acts 24.16. He said, Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. I found myself studying today wanting to quit. I don't want to think about this. I don't want to deal with this. But it must be dealt with. If we're going to go forward with God, we're going to have to make amends with some people. If we're going to go forward with God, we're going to have to start calling some sin, sin. Calling it what it is and going away from it. We're going to have to start curtailing our tongue. We're going to have to to warm our old cold hearts towards some people. We're going to have to start dealing with our own thought life. Because be, be honest with you, we accuse the Old Testament people of just having an outward form. I found as I was studying this message, I've got a whole lot of outward form. And there's a whole lot of inside stuff that needs to be dealt with. Pray that through this message, God give us the feeling of conscience. Not only the forgiveness of our crime, the feeling of conscience, but last of all, the fruit of Christianity. There is a glaring concept that is derived from this trespass offering. The restitution is a concept that has all but been lost in our society. You take, for example, the penal system that attempts to simply rehabilitate instead of reparation or paying back. They're just trying to change a person and not paying back for the crime. You think about bankruptcy in many cases. Bankruptcy where someone will just wipe their hands and walk away from tons of debt that is owed to their fellow man and never given another thought. Reparation. So often we live as Christians without a genuine heartfelt desire that if we have wronged someone to make it right. You see... uh, Bible, one Bible commentator said this. He said, offering or no offering, the worshiper was not right with God as long as he still has in his pocket his neighbor's money. My goodness, what a statement is that. Offering or no, 
cross or no, ram or no, it is not dealt with until we deal with the parallel consequences of it. The parallel consequence. You say, Brother Ronnie, you got Bible to back that up? I wouldn't have brought it up if I did. Zacchaeus, you take Zacchaeus for example. On the day of his conversion said in Luke 19.8, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. It was then and only then Jesus said, This day has salvation come to this house. The principle of restoration is rooted in Christianity. It's just not the trespass offering. It's just not that Old Testament, Old Covenant book of Leviticus. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and thou rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar. Go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. It is, it is this action that represents what John the Baptist called fruits worthy of repentance. I mean, we can come down to the altar and repent all day. But listen, we need to take into account and we need to bring into our thinking the fact that we have wrong, if we have wronged our fellow man, we need to make it right. If we have wronged our brother and sister in Christ, we need to make it right, both monetarily and relationally as well. You may have wronged a brother or sister in Christ in this church and not took a dime from them, but it still needs to be dealt with, still needs to be made right. You see, I believe God shows us exactly, exactly when we need to do that. Right now, as you sit there, I wonder, if is there some relationship coming to mind? Is there some situation where you did a brother or somebody on the outside, somebody in this world wrong? No wonder the world calls us hypocrites all the time because we don't live up to what our Bible says in many aspects and reparation is one of them. When's the last time you saw a Christian come back and pay more than what they owed? When's the last time you saw a Christian uh, uh, without... Going to them and saying this, well, if what I offended, or if what I said offended you, I'm sorry. I hate that clause. That, 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 that's just a scapegoat. That's just something that you, doesn't even need to be there. We need to pay, we need to make amends and be sorry for what we said, regardless if it offended them or not. If God brings it to mind and accuses us in our conscience, coupled by the Holy Spirit of God, I know the devil can beat us over the head wrongly over stuff that doesn't need to be taken care of, but I believe we've got enough God-given sense. If we're in His Word and we're praying, we'll know the difference. And we'll know when we need to make something right. In closing, I wonder, have you crossed the line? Have you ignored God's placement of a no trespassing sign? Is your conscience calloused toward the sign that lies before you? I was listening to one preacher. He was, talk, he was preaching on trespass offering. His opening example was that of a dolphin in a, uh, in a, in a, in a, uh, like a sea world or some place in captivity. And he had a, he had a free reign of a pool that was about uh, a football field wide, two football fields long. 
And that baby dolphin, as he grew, he learned everywhere where those walls were. And so he had free reign of that, of that facility. He, he could run, dart fast across that place and stop just in time knowing exactly where the boundaries were. But if they were to take that dolphin, he would think, man, I'm the master of my world. I've got it all under control. I know where everything is in this place. If they were to take that dolphin and put him in the ocean, he wouldn't know what to do with himself. He could run and run and run and go and go and go and never find a boundary. You see, that, that pastor then took that and said, you know, oftentimes we put a little box around our sins. And we say, I know what my sin is and I know what this sin is and I know what that sin But the thing about these offerings is it erases all those lines and it shows us our sins of ignorance. Sins when we don't even know we're sinning against God. So, sins of ignorance and sins of high hand. All these sins we're talking about, it plops us in an open ocean of sin and we see how truly wretched we are. Hey, if, we're on a, if we put our sins in a box, we can stay pretty good. If we can make it a, just a, a demarcated line, why we can we can be okay. We can we can call ourselves good. But in reality, when you look in Leviticus, God breaks down those barriers and shows us the depth and the extent of our sin. It's then that we should cry out, "Oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me?" Now listen to me. I'm not talking about salvation by works. I'm not talking about forgiveness by works. But there is a clear teaching, both Old Testament and New Testament, that we ought to deal rightly with one another. If we're ever going to go forward with God in this place, there's going to be some things that need to be dealt with personally, between manward on a parallel level. Not only vertically, but parallelly among, parallelly among us. Let's all stand as Elvis comes with a song of invitation. The trespass offering. Man, it shows us a whole world of sin that we are such wretched creatures. But God is so glorious. God is so wonderful to give us salvation and forgiveness of sin. Sin can be forgiven. I don't care what you've done. I don't care to what extent your sin has run. You can be forgiven. Things can be made right both with you and God and you and man. You come. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, God, this is a painful insight. God, you have hacked at my heart and, 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 and cut at me. And Father God, I have heard your call. Father God, I thank you for, for the word that you've sent us. How painful it is. Father, give me strength to obey it. Give me strength of a, of a newly formed conscience toward sinning against God. God, give me a new, a new desire to make right that which I have wronged with man horizontally. God, I pray that you'd give me a conscience that wants to be pure of offense between both God and man. God, if there be any today that is sin, they have an accusing conscience. We pray that they would come to this altar that they would make things right with you and then they would make things right with their fellow man. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. I'm trusting to the unseen high. 
We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The uh...